And welcome back to another, um, what's a good word for this one? Uh, let's see, we've been riveted, we've been exasperated. Uh, I was supposed to come up with a word, I forgot. <laughs> another <dude>. chilling episode <laughs> yeah. of V8 Radio. I'm Kevin Oste, joined, of course, by our host, Mr. Mike Hubal clark Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. What uh, What's the latest on your end? I, uh, I called my machinist last week again. On the GTO uh, motor. On the GTO. And um, he is said he's ready. He's getting. He's just about ready to start putting my short block together. All right. Well, putting, said, putting parts said, together is good. I said, that's great. So that means the pistons are in, right? He's like, well, no. In fact, I got to get on to those guys and figure out where they are. And I'm thinking to myself, how much short block can you put together without pistons? No, no, no. You, mi- mean, you misunderstood what he said. He said he's ready to put the short block yeah. together. So he <laughs> yeah. me- mentally psyched himself up to start screwing mm-hmm. it back together. He just needs right. the parts now. Yeah, I mean, he could throw some bearings in and throw the crankshaft in. But uh, other than that, it's kind of still at the standstill. It's a process, man. I, I get it. It is a process. And again... I mean, not not to make excuses for the guy, but he is a one-man band, and he puts together a lot of race motors for a lot of guys that compete, and, you know, he's got to get that done, I guess. Well, you know, the the takeaway here, again, is uh, going into a project like that, a lot of people expect that, you know, they can call a machinist and say, hey, I'd like an engine built, you know, I'll be by tomorrow to pick it up. Right, <laughs> you know, because we're so used to having a sandwich done before our right. eyes or a pizza like delivery. Like going to Best Buy, let's pick up this at Best Buy. Oh, yeah, pick up an engine at the machine shop, and that's not how it goes. So, right. you know, maybe maybe as a service to our uh, tens of listeners, we can uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we can offer a few tips. Uh, you know about working with a machinist or a restoration shop. I mean, you have to go in understanding that these things take a lot of time. And the reason why is because, especially in a machinist situation, you're dealing with so many custom-made one-off parts, and you're at the mercy of the production line of, in your case, the piston manufacturer. Correct. You know, and then there's a lot of, uh, you know, so are are the pistons made? Is the camshaft made and available? Are the bearings in stock? And, you know, so there's all these things that have to come together. And then there's all of the labor time of of making those pieces fit together on a trial basis and machine work there, the crank and the block and the cleaning and all that stuff. And then after that, then there's the actual assembly because they get put together Mm -hmm. and taken apart a couple times to check clearances and stuff. So Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I did get, I was at a shop once when they were doing the line hone uh, for the mains, and that was that was pretty cool to see that process happen. And just the time and effort that he put into it just to do that, that one single process right. was was pretty impressive. I mean, he made sure the, sh- the shoes on the line hone uh, apparatus were, were perfectly done and everything Faced, was great. Yeah. And he even would... Um, because it the rotates in one direction, he would even turn the block around and put it back in, so it it, it would rotate in the opposite direction to make sure everything was just right. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on now. In some cases, though, it still seems to take extra long. Um, but you know, then, then there's the outside factors, like you mentioned. A lot of these guys have long-term relationships with racers, and it's right. currently springtime. And these guys might have broke something last week, and they need something to be back on the track today. So, right. uh, you know, sometimes the casual enthusiast like yourself might unfortunately get pushed back a little bit while a yeah. higher priority, i.e., more expensive engine, you know, or longer oh, customer yeah. uh, jumps in line. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah, and- it's part of the game. Yeah, and, and if I were, if the shoe were on the other foot, and if I were had a long relationship with the with that machinist, and I was, you know, a points guy, and I was, you know, competing, and this was my gig, this was my livelihood. Yeah, I would expect him to, you know, take care of me because Lord knows, financially, I've been taking care of him for so many years, getting having all my stuff taken to him and and all that mm-hmm. so I, I i get it and i'm and i'm patient and you know it's been down a, a long time you know a little bit longer isn't going to kill me so well and you went to the guy for a reason so you you understand yeah. that you're going to get something 
that's of a quality level that you want. And mm-hmm. sometimes you got to wait for that. Yeah. Um, I think maybe there's some things that we can recommend uh, an engine customer do in advance. Maybe they need to ask their machinists right away, say, hey, okay, well, this is whatever today is. What happens if, uh, you know, five pro mod racers call you next week? Where does my stuff stand? <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, and know what their yeah, policy is. Otherwise, you, you, instead of, you know, the customer calling up every week saying, okay, where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? If you know ahead of time that, okay, the actual assembly and machining time is going to take two days worth of labor, but there could be 180 days where the parts laid up. And then those two days might be spanned out over six months or whatever it is. Um, and you, you know that going in, you'll be a happier camper. True. True. Yeah, I didn't expect it to take this long. I no. Mean, my block's just about to have a birthday out there. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that you know, kind of caught me a little off guard because, you know, I, I when I had my heads there, I did commit the cardinal sin of saying, hey, I'm not in a hurry, and, yeah. which you never say to a machinist. But they were done in two weeks. Right. And I was, uh, and I was pretty wild by that, and I kind of expected taking my block there would be – kind of similar and i didn't tell him i wasn't in a hurry uh when i took it to him i just didn't say really i didn't say i had any kind of timeline no and and maybe the cylinder heads were something that the parts were in his possession or on the shelf or easily gotten and you you caught him at the right time of year we was caught up maybe he was Mm -hmm. doing a whole week worth of cylinder heads i know these guys like to get in a routine right use the same machines you know and instead of doing a cylinder head and then honing you know doing a block and then doing a crank Mm -hmm. and then doing an intake manifold Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, things just went well the first time, you know, but the flip side is there are fewer and fewer engine shops and machine shops around there every day. So what do you do? You know, you don't have much of a choice. So I think especially for a good shop, that's going to do some custom work, uh, and solid work. This is part of the new territory, you know, and I see more and more. And in fact, if this was going to be, um, if this was going to be my car, I might really investigate finding a second engine and having that one built and leaving a good one in the car to drive around uh, or find some beater running, you know, in your case, Pontiac 400 or 350, they all interchange, throw something else in the car and drive that around while it's getting done. And that kind of eases the pressure. I know that's an additional expense and time and your car is not necessarily ready for the road in other aspects today, Mm -hmm. but that might be something I would recommend to somebody is, before you pull the engine and drive line out and have the thing be down, if the car's still something you can enjoy, maybe it just has a you know, rod knock or something, or you want more power, mm-hmm. more powerful engine, go have that built if the other one's still in place. Um, and that way you might be able to enjoy the car for a while. Yeah, that's... That's a good idea. I wish I would have uh, heard that <laughs> advice a little while ago, my friend. Well, you, you, you know, you, you, right. you got to <laughs> invent the time machine and then go back. You know, listen to this episode and then go back in time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm on that. <laughs> right. And I'll have you do a few other things while you got your time machine yeah, up. You got it. You got it. You got it. Pick up a couple of things for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, prevent a couple cars from going to the junkyard that I used to own and that kind of stuff. Oh gosh. Uh, wouldn't I love, which to do uh, brings me again. We, we skipped right over the trivia question and got into the, the meat of the matter, but uh, I, I don't want to ignore that trivia question. So do you have any, you said you had something lined up perhaps? I do. I am on the ready here. Uh Oh, that's right. Fella. You ready for this one? Uh, I ready as I will be today. So, all right, fella. Uh, what company developed the engine for the C4 ZR1 Corvette? Lotus. But it was uh, <laughs> it was actually uh, manufactured by Mercury Marine, if I'm not mistaken. So there's all kinds of non-Chevrolet companies involved with that, is my guess. <laughs> I do not know if I'm correct, but that is yeah. my guess. Um, Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do have a time machine. Maybe I find out your answer, your trivia yeah. question in advance. Because yeah. that's, that's what you're doing. That's what I'd be using it for if I had a time not machine. Not that I'm saying you're correct, mind you. No, not at all. No, not at all. 
Uh, all right, well, that's my final answer is Lotus did the, the development on the LT5 uh, overhead cam small block in the mm-hmm. ZR1 King of the Hill Corvette, as it was known. Right, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, oh. just get on with your question. All right, so <laughs> speaking of uh, exotic engines to a certain degree, what was the most expensive optional engine available in a first-generation muscle car. And when I say first-generation, I'm saying like 1973 and older. And older. What was the okay. you know first go-around for muscle cars? What do you think the most expensive engine option was? Wow, that's a heck of a question. So, all right, so the muscle car era mm-hmm. officially kicked off in 64, so we're saying from 64 through 73. Fair enough. That's fa- that's a fair statement. I do All think right. that, that that's kind of my own definition of first generation muscle cars. But uh, that's I would agree with that. What I'm going for here. Um. Oh gosh, there's so much to choose from here. Um. So an optional engine. Check, optional engine. Ch- check. Oh, check the box. Optional en- okay, optional engine. What was the most I expensive will, one? I will say the 1965 Chevelle Z16 396 option. Ooh. Wow. That's my guess. That's a great guess. That could, Is it a that, great guess? That, that could be the winner. Whoa. It, it could don't be. You, don't you threaten me with a good time, fella. <laughs> well, then again, it might not be the winner. It might. Yeah, it probably isn't. But, <laughs> you know, whatever. That's a good one. Uh, and that would I'm, be... Uh, I'm used to losing. Often overlooked. Um, mm-hmm. Z16 and the uh, the Malibu SS 396 cars, which was... Kind of. Um, well, we'll talk about that later. All right. Okay. So let me write. All right. I'm writing down right your on. official uh, final guess here. Mm-hmm. And that was 1965. All right. With my memory, you know, I need to do that. Yep, I hear you. So, um, you know, touching on your car's engine being in the machine shop. Um, one of your goals was to possibly do some road trips with that car this summer. Yes, I don't know, it was. Our, our prediction chances o meter uh, needle is moving back towards the left on that one. <laughs> back towards zero. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm. I I don't hold a lot of hope. My 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 ideal situation was to have this everything in the car running to do some power tour legs and i'm i'm not real hopeful at this point it's i mean it's already late april so yeah that leaves me a a month and some change to really have it all together and shake it down a little bit to feel ready to take it on a decent trip well, you know, and that's not a lot of time. You know, if he called you Monday morning and said, come pick up this engine, that would still probably be a pretty good thrash because uh, you have to do any cosmetics to the engine, paint and that kind of stuff. Then you have to get it in yes. the car, then reconnect everything, and then wake up all the rest of the car that's been asleep for a while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's maybe... Maybe by next power tour. <laughs> well, I was fortunate enough uh, <clears throat> last weekend, actually, to be able to take a bit of a road trip in my 70 Riv. Um, we had discussed earlier that the uh, transmission was slipping. Well, I had my trans guy rebuild that one, uh, the mm-hmm. stock one. And with a 307 gear in the car, I elected not to go with the overdrive at this point because if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do it on kind of my timeline and do it a little more that thing's got a two-piece drive shaft and some other stuff. So I just decided to have that thing rebuilt and um, did a uh, – it ended up being, I don't know, 800 miles, 900-mile round trip, something like that. Right. And uh, and went pretty well. Um, I noticed that it's very different from driving your old car around town on, you know, say 45 mile an hour and below – roads and city streets versus open highway at uh you know 75 or 80 um especially in a car like this one because 
it is an original car, 30, now it's got 31,000 miles on it. And although the, the condition visually of all the bushings and everything look good, they're not falling out or cracked or anything, it's still kind of jiggly going down the road. <laughs> you know, uh, jiggly, I like it. Uh, that's the best way I can describe it because sure. I, I put new shocks on it and I put some strut rod bushings in the front and I repacked all the bearings and did all that stuff. But it's a big old luxury car and yeah. it's still, it, it's got a small sway bar in front and the rear shocks need to be changed. Uh, but even if it was, um, it, it doesn't handle as good as it would have new just because it does have some things that are worn out and it, it, it's making me assemble my list of things that I want to upgrade on this car. Uh, definitely sway bars. I'm thinking of Bilstein shock front and rear, um, a rear bar, some, uh, um, I have to definitely change the alignment settings on this car. It, uh, it, it you got to keep fighting it to go straight down the road, especially in crosswinds and stuff. Oh, wow. And Interesting. For, yeah. And a car that's that big, you'd, you'd think wouldn't be affected. Right. But I think, um, it just doesn't have enough caster in it and it, it likes to kind of nose around. So, uh, but the, the the whole trip was, like I said, overall very successful. Uh, no no problems with the car. It's the first old car I've ever owned that doesn't leak uh, wow. in, in the rain. Um, and I, <laughs> Kelly and I actually took it through a car wash before we left. And, oh boy! Yeah, and that's that's daring in an old car. <laughs> that is gutsy, <clears throat> especially one that's got original weather strip in it. You know, none of the stuff's ever been changed. And, and, and I got dripped on just a little bit in the driver's seat, but she remained completely dry in the passenger seat under a touchless blasting car wash. So that was pretty cool. Um, oh. But it made me think of a lot of things that I like to recommend people do before they go on a road trip. Uh, because we take new cars so for granted that everything does what it's supposed to do. And they don't leak and they don't shake and they're not all over the road and... Um, and thinking about your desire to try and hit power tour stops or something, it just kind of made me think maybe, maybe it's a good idea to touch on a few things that might be good ideas that um, you might want to look at before hitting the road because the cruising season is now definitely upon us. It is. It is. So what, uh, what, are, you, uh, what are you thinking about uh, prep? Well, definitely the basics. Uh, you know, good oil change, transmission fluid, rear axle, a good filter, air filter, all that kind of stuff. Um, one little doodad that I like to add to these old cars is uh, a solid-state electronic voltage regulator. Um, these cars had a, uh, it's basically a big relay in a box with a, a coil mm-hmm. and an electromagnet, you know, and, and they work right. pretty well. But uh, I think for, for less than, I don't know, I think I paid 22 bucks or something for the electronic one. Mm-hmm. Makes a world of difference, and you'll notice it on the highway, Wipers on, AC or the blower fan going, headlights on, uh, you know, your, your turn signals are, are the same speed all the time and your headlights aren't <laughs> going up and down with engine RPM and all that stuff. Quick and easy thing to change out. Um, sure. Tire pressure and alignment is critical on these old sleds. Um, and then again, suspension bushings, ball joints, that kind of stuff. Uh, it might feel fine driving around your neighborhood or going to the local cruise night, but sitting behind the wheel doing a cross-country cruise uh, is when you'll notice when all these things are starting to go bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they yeah at the worst time. Yeah, they make themselves uh, uh, very apparent because you you know you start to get a little bit out of control. Um, exhaust noise is another one you know what sounds fun in town uh might be something that pounds your head to death on the highway (laughs) yeah uh that makes sense you know and then and then some of the comfort items too i mean obviously make sure all your bulbs are working make sure you got good wiper blades um i was lucky that uh my lovely wife bought me a new windshield for uh for my birthday right on man yeah and and had that installed it was a big surprise and that was very cool and, uh, of course I had to run out and get new wiper blades right away. Cause I wasn't going to be the guy that scratches the new windshield. You're a good man. Uh, well, you know, a little preventative here and there. Of course, right. I think I, uh, I inhaled half my bench seat the first time I got a giant stone blast in the wind. 
<laughs> in the windshield. Yeah, there was this truck exactly. in front of me, man, and 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 whammo, you know. And I, I just I'm envisioning spider webs everywhere, but luckily that did not happen. Oh, good. Um, but a nice piece of glass makes all the difference, especially if you're driving the thing at night. You know, somebody coming towards you and all that jazz. Right. So, uh, and then the comfort factor. Um, one thing that I learned I want to do on this car, it's a big comfortable bench seat, but I'm, I think I'm going to put some shims in it and, and tip it back just a hair and re, remount it back about two inches. Um, oh, okay. Because people must have been a little bit shorter in 1970. You know what? That's a good point you make. In my GTO, with the seat all the way back... It's still not back far enough for my taste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like it to be, I have a little, my legs a little more straightened out. And I, I agree with you. I'd love to have some kind of adapter to be able to mount that seat back. Again, two more inches would be perfect. I think in your case, year one sells adapters. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's a kit of uh, fabricated little tabs that you bolt to the seat and then bolt those to the floor. They just go mm-hmm. in between them. And I think it is about a two-inch space. To, oh, to kick it right back on. a little bit, yeah, and then again, if you add some longer bolts and maybe some washers, you can uh, you can pitch the seat back a little bit as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I know those a body uh, bucket seats like you got are are pretty comfortable, but if they were just back a little bit and and lean back just a hair, bit. they'd they'd be the uh, the bee's knees, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, and then I'm lucky I've got a tilt column in this car. I recommend that to everybody. Um, they're not cheap, you know, and but I think it's well worth it if you're going to be doing yeah. some road time. Yeah, they're nice to have. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things. And I'm going to put a list on, uh, on the V8Radio.com website in this uh, article about uh, some tools and other things to bring along that we think are important. Um, I'm not going to go down the big laundry list now, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's insanely important to put together a decent toolbox <laughs> if you're going to do a trip like that. Um, and some of the basics you might want to bring along because uh, in the middle of nowhere, you know, things get uh, a little dicey if something goes south. You know what? That's a good point. Uh, the, when I f- first got my hands on my GTO about eight years ago, I went on a, a power tour leg out in Iowa with uh, with my buddy Robert in his 66 Galaxy convertible. And uh, it, it was me and my GTO, and we were coming back. We are about an hour from home, and my exhaust pipes were so rotted at the head pipe where it, where it connects to the exhaust manifold, it just fell out of the exhaust manifold. Ooh, yeah. And it was just hanging there, and it was just loud as all get out. Mm-hmm. And luckily, we were right by a Walmart, and we pulled into the Walmart parking lot, and I got a spool of bailing wire. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, and um, I'm, I'm underneath the car, and... Um, I'm trying to cobble this exhaust pipe back in, and it's starting to really open up. The skies are starting to rain pretty, pretty heavy. Oh, of course. Yeah, and then I mean, like pretty brutal looking clouds. And Robert was getting concerned. He's like, "Yo, we need to go inside. It's it's getting pretty rough out here." I mean, these it looks like tornado clouds. I'm like, "Yeah, we're fine. I'm good. Yeah, right. Just, you know, leave me alone." And he's kind of insistent. I said, all right, fine. So we ran inside. There was a McDonald's right there. In the, that, we were in the McDonald's parking lot, which is where I was doing the repairs. We ran inside, and about two minutes later, this couple burst in. Holy cow, we just got passed up by a tornado on the expressway, Holy. and we had to get off. Wow. I said, and, and Robert's looking at me like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah. I told you. Yeah, I'm like, right. all right, buddy, you, you saved me there. You saved me. All right, good. Yeah, he's not the meteorologist of the car club for nothing. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, and that's a great example because that pipe rattled loose being driven on the highway and, and the mm-hmm. you know resonant frequency it loosened it up over time, and that probably would have taken another 10 years of street town driving. Probably, you know. probably. But getting to your – the point is I had, a, I had my tools with me. I packed those in, in the trunk, and that's what let me get that fixed versus – Having to flatbed it back yeah, an hour yeah, from yeah, yeah. You know, Princeton, Illinois to Chicago for crying out loud. Yeah, I had a similar story when I was in college. I borrowed a friend's '68 El Camino, and this was an, a car that he hadn't had very long, and and uh, it was kind of a pile. But 
and I was coming home for the weekend to return the car to him and, and finish up some projects on my own car. And this thing was, it had like a 400 small block in it. It was primered. It was a California car, so it wasn't rusty or anything, but it was mm-hmm. bare minimum. I, mean, I don't think it had door panels in it. You know, it was just kind oh, of a, wow. kind of a beater. Really cl- clapped out. Huh? Yeah, clapped. I mean, it was a great starting point for somebody, but nobody had started sure. yet. <laughs> and uh, it, I'll never forget this. It had like 15 by 10 slotted wheels on the back, I think, you know, like uh, aluminum really? slots. Yeah, real wide tires. Nice. You know, kind of low profile. And then, um, you know, different ones up front. And this thing, it did two things to me on this drive. And this is only a, uh, it's, you know, it's about a 150-mile drive. It did two things on this on this drive that, that could have been big problems. The first one was driving along, and all of a sudden it loses oil pressure completely. I mean, the gauge just goes to nothing. And, uh, yeah, whoa, was right. So I pull over to the side and I freak out and uh, open the hood and I find out that it had, the oil pressure was fine, but it had a little plastic capillary tube on the gauge. Right. And and that it melted, it melted. Yeah. (laughs) And, and it's like, oh man. And I didn't have a wrench to, um, unscrew the fitting off the back of the gauge to cut a piece of line clean you know, and, and right. put it back together. So I think I had to squeeze a couple of nickels together or something, you know, <laughs> try, wow. and, try and make a wrench <laughs> on the side of the road or a key ring or some kind of crap, you know, to get that back together. So fix that and everything's cool. Well, 20 minutes down the road, here we go again. The exhaust starts getting loud, just like you're saying. And the passenger side, I think the driver's side exhaust pipe, after it had an H pipe, after the H pipe, the exhaust pipe, falls off the car, hits the ground, spears the right rear tire, blows it out. No way. (laughs) Oh, man. Right through the sidewall. Boom. And I come dragging to a stop, and I get out, and the tire is shredded, and there's no spare. Of course there's not. Why would there be? And nothing fits this car, because it's got this goofy 15 by 10 inch wide rim on it, you know? So I'm like, oh, man. man. And I'm about a mile from the next exit, at least. So here we go. Walk in the mile. <laughs> I, I get to the, the, the next stop, and there's, um, there's a gas station, you know, with a restaurant, and there's no tire shop, and, you know, what do you do? So I'm looking around in the parking lot, and I find there's like an, there's a, uh, like an 87 Monte Carlo, and then there's a Cutlass over there. So I'm thinking, huh. I go in the restaurant, and I ask the guy to page the owners of these cars because I was going to buy their spare tire, you know. Oh. <laughs> I, I was in the it's middle of nowhere. Idea. You know, what do you do? And, yeah. and sure enough, they wanted nothing to do with me because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're, they're like, you want me to announce what? I'm like, just page this guy with this car. You know? And then I'm walking up and down the restaurant. I'm like, is that your car? And everyone's like, no, no, no. I, I'm sure I actually talked to the guy whose car it was, but they probably said right. no. You know? What do yeah. you want? I, I want to buy your spare tire. Yeah, go pound sand. You know, yeah, get out exactly. Here. Exactly. Beat it, kid. So... There again, if I had tools and if I had a spare, good thing to bring along. And, uh, you know, a fix-a-flat was not in the, in the option then. But this was also 25 years ago, and I didn't have a right. cell phone and, you know, all the rest. But yeah, AAA, 100-mile towing, AAA plus, good to have. Uh, yeah. or, or if your insurance carrier provides that, because that would have made sure. that day a lot better. Uh, could have mm-hmm. almost got the thing home for that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, how did that end up? Well, it ended up, um, <laughs> my mommy bailed me out. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I called my buddy and I'm like, dude, I, I don't know what to do here. I blew out this tire and I, I'm thinking I'm being resourceful. I tried everything I can. And he's like, well, you know, you'll figure it out. And he hangs up, you know, from the payphone. <laughs> And uh, I had to call my mom, and I'm like, yeah, can you, uh, can you come down and get me? So I think she came down and picked me up from this gas station and took me home. And the next day, my buddy and I went down with a trailer and a spare tire and fixed it and got it home and all that stuff. Oh, it sucked, you know. <laughs> the, the whole concept was to go home for the weekend and go out and party and have a good time. And, right. you know, my whole weekend was blown trying to just get home and then yeah. get back. It was time to go back already and, you know, whatever. 
So these are all stories from experience about yes, being sir. prepared. Yes, sir. Yeah, being prepared pays off. Yeah. You know, most of the time, if you're you're super prepared, you never need that stuff. But the second you don't have one thing, it's going to come and bite you. That's right. What, what There was a line in a movie that said, a, uh, a plan is a list of things that don't happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. That's perfect. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. Right. In a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, yes, over-prepare and have a nice, smooth trip. <laughs> and like I said, I'll, on the VARadio.com website, we'll throw up uh, a couple other tools and some things that we recommend uh, you bring along. So that was the, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so last weekend's little odyssey went kind of smoothly, but I, I, I've been on another odyssey uh, that you and I had talked about briefly, and that is um, tracking down an old motorcycle. Right, right. Tell us, tell us the latest on that, or, to, or let's, let's hear the story on that. Yeah, so a lot of times people come to us at the V8 Speed and Resto Shop and they want a car. You know, they, they might not have the car of their dreams, you know, I always wanted a 69 Camaro or whatever, and we help them find cars. Or sometimes they'll say, boy, I really wish I had my old, you know, whatever, my old Mustang back. And today, because of technology, a lot of times there is a chance that we can actually maybe find the car, the car, you know, that they used to have. And to try and put my myself to the test on this, um, a couple of years ago, uh, well, in 2013, uh, my dad passed away, and oh. my mom and I and, and my sister were kind of going through some of the stuff and, and um, you know, going through pictures and stuff, and, and I found some pictures of him on this uh, this motorcycle. It's a 1982 Suzuki GS1100 GK, which is a, a touring bike, and... Um, not without getting too far into the the geekdom of early 80s Japanese touring bikes, but there was kind of a war going on. The Harley was always a top dog, and the Honda Goldwing was kind of right there with it. And Mm -hmm. Suzuki was developing a bike, uh, and in the meantime, they took their GS1100 street bike, like like almost a race street bike, four-cylinder, four-carburetor, fast bike, and they just threw a windshield and bags on it and called it a touring bike as a stopgap until they developed their full-tilt you know, air suspension, reverse, you know, motor home on wheels. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when I was a kid, my dad was always into motorcycles and he, he really wanted a Harley full dress touring bike, but they were expensive then as they are now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think my mom wanted new carpet for the house or something. So, <laughs> so he didn't get, get the chance to buy his Harley, <laughs> but he stopped off at our uh, local Yamaha and Suzuki dealer and saw this, gs 1100 gk and it kind of fit the budget so we bought it brand new and i think it's the only new bike he ever bought and he owned it uh from 82 to 89 i believe and it was right when i was uh you know i had my driver's license and i think i remember him telling me he got rid of the bike because he didn't want me to ride it you know (laughs) he's like i know you you don't belong on this bike yeah smart man i'm sure yeah and 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 it was a cool bike because it it had a very classic early 80s paint scheme it was black with gold pinstripes so basically the trans am bandit scheme you know right on yeah on on, on the bike four cylinder shaft drive it ran 1180s in the quarter i mean wow it, it was a fast bike that's quick Holy yeah. howdy. Yeah, yeah. All the cycle magazines had reviews on it. And he used to pick me up at school and stuff, and we'd go for rides on the weekends and, you know, whatever. So fast forward to 2013, I uh, find some pictures of him, and I said to my mom, I said, you don't by chance have anything with the VIN of this bike, you know, laying around because maybe it's still out there, you know? I don't know. And she's like, no, you know, come on. He got rid of that thing almost 30 years ago. You know, good luck. Well, sure enough, a few days later, she sends me a text of a photograph of a receipt from the uh, 1986 license plate registration that was in his dresser. It was like right there. <laughs> There's wow. like a, a current stack of papers. And she pulled this thing out, and, and here's this sheet with the VIN of the bike on the sheet. It was crazy. Outstanding. Yeah. So. Uh, I run that through Google, and that's that's the first step. If you're trying to find an old 
car or whatever, just type the VIN straight up into Google and you might be surprised at what comes back. And in this case, um, it came up, the description of the bike came up because there's a lot of services out there that will decode that VIN, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, this is an 82 GS 1100 GK, but the specifics about his exact bike, the last, you know, four digits of the VIN um, for the sequence number didn't didn't show anything. So it was like nothing. Okay. Huh. So I thought, yeah, well, whatever. Uh, well, by another strange turn of events, um, I received a parking ticket in the mail from Long Beach, California for one of my daily driver cars. And that car's oh. never been to California. And, Interesting. I, and Yeah, and I'm like, what the heck is this all about? So I called California and I'm like... I got this parking ticket and their system is so anti, you know, consumer that all it did was accelerate the process of them collecting from me because they knew <laughs> I was a real person. Basically they're like, right. you know, it's an automated thing. And they're like, yeah, press one to dispute your uh, ticket. I hit one and they're like, yeah, you can't dispute this, but now you only have 10 days to pay. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah. So, that was frustrating. And so I'm like, you know what? There's a re- there's something wrong here. And and the ticket described a white Ford utility van and this was a gray car, so I knew something was wrong. So I'm thinking, well, how can I find out who owned this utility van so I can contact them directly maybe and say, "Get your can down to the police station and get me off this." Right. Well, I found a service, another one online where you, you know, for like 6, I think it was $5, you can buy a reverse license plate lookup for 24 hours. You had a subscription for one day and I jumped online and I paid the five bucks and I thought if it's a scam, I lose five bucks. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Type in my license plate um, or a California license plate of the same number as mine, expecting to get this van and some guy's name and number. And I got nothing. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. So I was like, well, that sucks. Uh, but in the meantime, I got 23 hours and 57 minutes left on my subscription. I'm going right. to see what this service does. And the service also had uh, uh, VIN lookups as well. So the two right things on. I ran were my old 70 Buick Riviera, that I, the first one I ever had. And I knew that one was long gone and crushed, mm-hmm. but I thought, let's just see what it does. Of course, it comes up with nothing. Right. Uh, but then I throw the motorcycle in there, and it turns out it spits back a current Florida title number. I could not, really? yeah, I could not believe it. And the title huh. was issued in 2011 and it gave a listing of three previous owners, um, and some archaic, archaic form of, uh, addresses for these owners. And I'm like, wow, you know, so, the search is on, you know, and, and, yeah, uh, trails hot. And this is, this is like 2014 at some point. And, and every step in this story took several months between them because I didn't have a whole lot of time to pursue this thing. So whenever I get a spare minute, I would kind of monkey around. Luckily the, the parking ticket on a long beach, the problem there was that, um, California does not have spaces between their numbers on license plates, but okay, right, where, right, where right. I live in Illinois, they do. And uh-huh. and whoever issued that parking ticket put a space in, so it came to me. Ah, so interesting. That interesting. side story ended. I, I called Calif- the, the police department directly, finally, instead of the traffic division. I'm like, you got to help me. And the guy's like, well, what's your plate number? And I said, the number with the space. He's like, oh, there it is. So that one went away. Uh, meanwhile, I start Googling around, and I find what I thought was the most recent owner of the motorcycle uh, in an online phone book. I call this person up and, uh, I left a, uh, I, I want to say a voicemail, but it was an, an answering machine message. It was not a voicemail. It was an old, <laughs> you know, crusty cassette thing. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> We're not home you right the, now. The variation in voice amplitude throughout yeah. the message. Yeah. <clears throat> which, which suggested, you know, perhaps a, a, an older couple or something. And, you know, it's like, leave your message at the beep. And it beeps like a hundred times as the tape rewinds, <laughs> you know. Nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I leave a message and, I, and I'm thinking, how, how do you approach this? You know, I'm just some guy. Again, I feel like the clown trying to buy, you know, somebody's spare tire at the restaurant. <laughs> uh, really, I'm not stalking you. However, 
you know, I leave a message saying, you know, my dad bought this motorcycle new in 82, and I think there's a possibility your family might have it or might know of it or whatever, and if you don't mind, you give me a call back. Hang up the phone, I get nothing, you know, no response. And I, I wanted so bad to call again, you know, but I'm thinking, nah, you probably shouldn't, you know, just be cool about it. Well, I'm going to say a, a couple weeks later, I get a phone call back. And it's this woman, and she's like, what, what, what do you want? And I said, well, uh, I, I'm tracking down this, this motorcycle, and, uh, you know, I got this title number, and this name came up, and, and I don't know if you're the same name on the, as the one that I found, but here, here you go. And she's like, oh, yeah, what color was it? And I said it was black. And she said, yeah, my dad had a black Harley. And I'm like, well, it's not a Harley. It's a Suzuki. Oh, well, he had another one, too. Um, uh, he sold it. And I'm like, oh rats well i mean yeah. at least it existed i said does he know who we sold it to and she goes uh no because he just had a stroke and he can't speak uh, and i'm like oh man uh, and she's like his memory is shot and i and i felt terrible for this poor guy and i'm not gonna bother him you know so i said all right, right well yeah. if you if you happen to think of anything else you know here's my number mm -hmm. so looking looking back i thought well that's it you know for this thing um because the number that i had the title number was no longer to this guy. Well, I, I start looking at the other addresses on this report that I got from that service, and I think I had the the order reversed. So I think I was calling like the third owner back instead of the most oh, recent. Oh, sure, right, right, right. right. So I, I, well, it started at the top, you know. So I flipped the sheet over and, and found that guy, and it's it's uh, some dude in Hollywood, Florida, and. There is no information on, on phone number or address or anything. You know, it's just, just a name. And it's a name that is extremely common, a last name that's very, very common in that area. And I'm like, there's, there's a million and a half of these people with this name down oh, there. Great. Yeah. How am I going to figure this out? So using the magic of, uh, of Facebook and the Democratic uh, political party, <laughs> believe it or not all right <laughs> uh it turns out that this individual i just kind of start looking at people with these names and one of these other online services shows up that this individual might have some offspring some sons or daughters that have different uh different names different um uh, initials and whatnot, and I start kind of typing those through, and I come up with a female who appears to be the guy's daughter uh, with a phone number, and the phone number was provided by the Democratic uh, uh, political party because their voting records are online in Florida. Oh, good Lord. Who'd have thought that? Who'd have thunk it? Yeah, right. I don't think any other state does that, but here's a name, address, and phone number for this person. So I'm like, all right, I'm on. Yeah. Grab the phone. And, Road trip. Grab the phone and call. <laughs> yeah. And the phone goes to a, a voicemail that says, this phone does not accept incoming calls. Click. Ugh. Oh, man. You know, so. Come on. Dead in the water there. So I'm looking at Facebook and the person who I called had a Facebook page that had no profile picture. You know, oh, so Lord. I'm starting to think that this is a, a fake person, you know, like a faked account or something. Right. It's just a silhouette of a head. Uh, so I, 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 I try to contact that, but there's no, no friends, no nothing. And I'm like, man. Huh. So I remembered that there was a couple other initials as offspring tied to this. And, and all the names are, are kind of unique. And this person possibly has a sister, again, with a unique name. And I thought the combination of people that have these names all in the same family is probably pretty, pretty slim. The sister was in all places, Long Beach, California, where that parking ticket disaster was. And uh, I look at, I, I find her Facebook page, and as a check, I see if she has a sister that matches the one in Florida. Because the Long Beach chick, it says she's from Hollywood, Florida, the same city. Turns out her sister in Florida got married. Oh. So she was using her first name, her previous you know her, her born with last name and then her married right. name and that's why i didn't find her before so there's a second profile under her married name uh, and that okay. and that uh, has the accurate uh uh you know name on it and it's from right. the same city in hollywood florida and i click on her profile and there's a photograph 
on her profile of like a shrine to her dad and there's some pictures of motorcycles and i'm thinking here we go right on yeah we got it yeah we might be on it so i contact her through facebook i send her a message through the messenger thing and the thing that sucks about that is there's a separate mailbox in Facebook. There's our normal one that your friends communicate with you through and they send you stuff and you can see it real easy. But then there's this void off in space where if you don't know somebody and you send them a message, it goes to this message request thing and it doesn't show up anywhere. So you have to seek it out to know that somebody contacted you. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I send this thing off and I wait and I wait and I wait. And I'm thinking she's not going to see it. It's just not, it's not obvious, you know, to most people. You really got to be a Facebook geek and dig through this stuff to find it. Right, right. And I found out through using a computer rather than a phone, there's a way to actually invite them to their messenger thing. Oh, okay. To take a peek at it. Correct. And if you invite right. them, then this invitation thing off in no man's land um, is obvious. So I send the invitation and she responds and she says, Oh my gosh, I've got goosebumps. Uh, that was because I sent her the same letter that I had sent, uh, um, to what I thought was her father. And I I left a little bit out of the story because I sent a certified letter down there also uh, with a copy of the VIN and a photograph saying, I'm looking for this bike and it got returned to me. (laughs) So anyway, I send her the same letter through Facebook and I say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for this bike and here's a picture of him, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, that was my dad's bike. He loved it. He was working on it every weekend. It was a great thing. And, um, unfortunately he passed away, uh, in 2015. Um, and, my brothers put a lot of his stuff in storage. So I think I got to, I got to find it. And I went, Oh wow. You know? Yeah. So she's like, but in 15 it existed, you know, and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm getting excited again. Here we go. So I'm trying to respectfully, you know, lean on her a little bit. Did you talk to your brother yet? You know, right, cause I'm getting, right. getting impatient. And she re- finally responds back and says, yeah. Um, I talked to my brother's, when when we moved my dad out of his uh, rental property, we couldn't take everything, and we left a bunch of stuff, including the bike. <sighs> Just left it on the back porch. And I went, Who oh. does that? Come I said, on. I said, all right, well, I, uh, okay, tell you what, if you're, uh, if you're cool with it, let me know the landlord's name, because he got stuck with it, or she. Yeah, yeah. And I'll contact that person, you know, whatever, I've come this far. And she won't give it up. She won't give up the landlord's name. Her, she just goes huh. cold. No more responses at all. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, man. So I dig back through the, the previous title information, and I, I put together an address, and I, I jump online, and I just type in who owns the property at this address. Huh. And it comes back with some real estate service saying, oh, yeah. You know, that's owned by such and such a person and it's in a trust and uh, um, it sold last in 2016. So I'm like, okay, so I need to talk to the owner of this place in 15 and yeah. see, see what the deal was. Yeah. So it turns out the, 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 the family that owned it owned a, uh, a painting, house painting company in Florida. Okay. So I find their business and I call them up. And luckily they had a pretty specific uh, an, kind of unusual first name this guy had, uh, family's right. from Italy, so he's got an Italian name, which uh-huh. narrowed it down. You know, it wasn't Dave, yeah, Dave Smith or something. Right. And uh, I call the guy up and I said, hey, uh, again, you don't know who I am, but I'm under the impression that you owned a piece of property at this address, and if you did, was there a motorcycle left there? And if there was, what'd you end up doing with it? Because, you know, the title is still in the dead guy's name. Right. Nothing's changed since then. And he calls me back. Right on. Yes. And he said, hey, so what's up? And I said, well, I guess, you know, doing a little research, you own this uh, property. He's like, yeah, yeah, I used to own that. I sold it uh, last year. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, did you know this other guy? And I gave him his name. And he goes, yeah, yeah, he rented it from me for a number of years. Uh, He passed away. And I said, yes. I said, "Uh, apparently his family left some of his stuff. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're looking for the motorcycle. And I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, it's gone. Oh, (laughs) 
And I said, what What do you mean it's gone? You know? oh. And he said, well, I, I called some scrap company, and they came and hauled it all off. Oh, no, you're kidding me. And I said, uh, okay, well, who, who was the scrap company? You know? And he's like, no, you don't understand. This was just some guy on the street. I don't know his name. I don't know anything about him. Oh, it's just no. junker oh, dudes. Oh, oh. And they just hauled it off, and, uh, and it's gone. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh no, man! Yeah, That's, I'm so sorry. And, and you know, I'm trying not to get upset, and I'm like, "All right," you know. And I'm thinking, what, what, what kind of people just leave something? But I understand, you know, the clock's ticking. Get the possessions out or right. whatever, and you don't have the way to yeah. move it. And if you're not very resourceful, you leave it. And then this guy's like, "Just get mm-hmm. this junk out of here." So I started to contact. Uh, I found a, a business owners group in Hollywood, Florida on Facebook, and I just posed the question, hey, you know, if you're going to get rid of some abandoned vehicles or whatever, what's the what's the yard to go to, you know? And I got a private message from one guy saying, yeah, uh, nobody's going to kick that information down because, you know, that's a <laughs> pretty a cop. It's, you well, smell yeah, like a cop, right. <laughs> it's pretty shady stuff, you know, because yeah. these guys junk this thing without the title. Yeah, that's illegal. It is very illegal. So no, yeah. no scrapyard owner is, A, going to admit that they brought that in, and, B, right. they certainly aren't holding on to it a year and a half later. Yeah. And C, they didn't apply for a new title because by the VIN, that would have shown up. So I, I hate the fact that this is a fairly long story that ends with nothing. <laughs> oh, man. I was kind of bummed out. I was I know. That he, he was going to say, yeah, I still have it. Oh, darn it. Yeah, well, if you still have I mean, this, this only goes up to this past week. I mean, this is current. Yeah, uh, uh, and if he had it, I would have been in the truck going to get it. You know, my neighbor, yeah. my neighbor Rick is into motorcycles, and he's like, my my trailer is hooked up. You know, we're going. <clears throat> but unfortunately, oh, so and I, but I think the biggest aggravation of this whole story is that when I started this quest at the end of 2013, that other owner was still alive. Yeah, holy so, cow, he so was. It, it existed then, and if I would have been more expedient and more resourceful, I would have found it. Yeah. And it would have been... But, I mean, how, I mean, how could you possibly know that? Well, and I'm not saying that to, to beat myself up, but what mm-hmm. I'm saying is, if you think there's something out there, you need to do it now, right? That's, yeah, you, that's a good point. Because here's a perfect example of... Again, I didn't put a huge priority on this thing when I started doing this because I just assumed it was gone. Uh, and then as I got hotter into it, it became a little bit more of a priority. But I got 28 million things to do and, and screwing right. around trying to find this old motorcycle is not something I really should be doing with my time. But then when I got into it, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, mm, that hurts. It, it does. That hurt. I'm, I'm hurt for you. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm not here to spread the hurt, um, no, but I, I but I do know, think but... you know. Again, kind of like our our breakdown stories on the side of the road. Uh, if you know now now is the kind of time. If you're thinking that you know, I wonder if my my old GTO's out there or my dad's car or whatever. <sighs> um, don't mess around because uh, you you know I just missed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, we've talked about it. I, I, I wish I could find or wish I knew the, the fate of my dad's first GTO. He bought brand new in 1965. It's a blue charcoal car, four barrel. I think it was a three speed on the floor and pretty bare bones GTO. And, um, I, I wish to God I had, you know, one piece of paper with the VIN on it that I could try to research and figure out where it is and just pray that it's still on the road somewhere, that someone's enjoying it, somebody has it. And if circumstances were right, if I could ever buy it back from the guy uh, or or woman, whoever would have it. Right, uh, right. And when I was at, um, it's funny because when I was at, uh, I told you this too, when I was at, uh, I think it was Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals, there was a, somebody had a 65 blue charcoal GTO with a four barrel, but it had a four speed in it. And I'm like, man, this is, I never, you never see a 64, five or six GTO with a four barrel anymore. I mean, pretty much every one of them has been converted to a, a tri-power. Right, right. Especially but at this a show one, car level. 
Exactly, exactly. And this one had the four barrel. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the right carburetor. It's the right paint. What are the odds? And and I had no way to verify what it was. Yeah, I was just I was just happy to see one like that. It kind of you know made me a little nostalgic. Yeah, right. And 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 Kelly, my wife, is like, you know, is there another one out there? You know, how many of these bikes do they make? Maybe you can find one, another one. And it's like, yeah. I'm not that big of a fan of that particular bike. It was just this mm-hmm. one because, you know, right. my keister was on that thing, you know. Yeah, that was exactly. That was the, the one. And mm-hmm. it, it is kind of a cool bike. And if some if one pops up cheap, you know, maybe I'll, I'll uh, who knows, I'll pick one up or not. Um, but, yeah, at the same time, Googling stuff. Some states, you can write them letters through the DMV and, mm-hmm. and uh, um they they will break out um, vehicles by by type that are still registered and not necessarily by VIN. So they, you know, whatever state your dad's was in, it might not be a bad idea to just for fun contact him and say how many sixty five GTOs are still on the road mm-hmm. and 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 start working backwards from there. The the social media is awesome if you're in you know because you're in all the GTO clubs and and Facebook yeah. groups and stuff and just mm-hmm. start throwing the feelers out. Um, this has inspired me to track down my dad's original 62 galaxy that he bought new in Chicago in June of 62. Right? Yeah. And his, is a, it was a white one with a red interior and going back that far, we have nothing, you know, with any numbers uh-huh. on it. Um, so it's more of the thrill of the hunt to see. And, and that car could fall on my lap. It could be down the street, and I'd, I'd never even know it. I'd have no way of, right. of proving it, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. At least the one you're talking about was kind of unique with a three-speed, a four-barrel, and that color scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, and GTOs, you, you know, you tend to think that they either survived because people took care of them, or they got raced and crashed and wrecked. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't too kind to it. He raced it quite a bit, and it, it had been stolen once and stripped, and it was recovered. And he owned it, but he sold it in 67 when my older brother was born. Uh, you know, never heard from it since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it, it's tough. And, and you know, sometimes photographs of old license plates or, or, you know, anything might lead to something. As we sit here now on my wall, I have the license plates that, that were issued new on our current 62 Galaxy that we got in 92. I have the original issued California plates for that car. Really? Yeah. Right on. And I'm pretty sure that I could write California letter and find out the owner lineage of that car through mm-hmm. that. The other thing to remember is that the state employees rarely want to play along with these quests. Yeah. You either find sure. the person who's sitting at the desk and it's just their job to push paper all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I got lucky at least with uh, when I was trying to, do some research in California that the guy at the other end of the phone thought it was cool. So he was like, Oh, you know, and, and offered some helpful suggestions. Okay. Um, you just got to press on, you know? Right. So that's true. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because on, on one of our, our very first muscle car of the week episode, we did a feature on a 69 Z01 Camaro. Yeah. The Dick Harrell, the Dick uh, Harrell car, right. The yeah. Fred Gibb dealer yeah. sold. Yeah. And it had been reunited with its original block uh, after many, That's many right. years. And I was like, how is that possible? I mean, how do you know? I mean, how do you find a block that came out of a race car? And right. Charlie Lillard was on camera with me, and, and I interviewed him about it. And he had a great point. He's like, well, it was an aluminum block. Nobody would throw it away, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Even if it was broken in half, you'd leave it in the shop somewhere. And mm-hmm. and just doing some homework and asking, well, who's got the aluminum blocks? And, oh, I think that guy might have one, or talk to this guy, whatever. And they found it. So if you're now, can they are they able to verify? Is there, was there a VIN stamped on it? I think there's numbers stamped on that block. Yeah, is it? yeah. All right. Well, outstanding. I, I, yeah, because the ZL ones were were pretty rare, you know, and and that engine right. was a specific option thing. So uh, definitely part to me part of this the fun of this hobby and this sport is learning the history of stuff. And if you can uncover something along the way, I think that's pretty cool. So 
you know, we still have customers that come to us and and ask for help. And and this is kind of how we do it. And it's just a matter of taking the time to turn over stones and, and not being afraid to call somebody and ask questions. And, Mm -hmm. and now again, the, the resources on the internet, internet allow, allow you to find a lot of stuff you'd never really know. Just not for me. Yeah. Dang it. But that's right. Uh, Actually, speaking of Muscle Car of the Week, uh, I watched your latest uh, your latest offering that on that four twenty seven Yanko Camaro. Oh yeah, the that was one. that was a pretty cool car. That is so, a you know, I was thinking the exact same thing that you said. That car does not look like a screamer. No, it looks like a, a fairly pedestrian stocker camaro it looks... there could have been a six-cylinder in that for pete's sake <laughs> yeah and and if, you know if you have not seen the episode it's a 67 yanko camaro which is a very rare car to begin with it's, you know around 100 of them were made and this one was different because most of the yankos had a, a 450 horsepower 427 this one had a kind of a junior version of that with hydraulic mm-hmm. lifters a little less power a, a rochester quadrajet four barrel on it and it had a highway gear in back um, and an automatic transmission. And the guy who bought this car new ordered it specifically to be a road car and not a dragster. So hmm. it was all about driving on the street. And, yeah, it had the, it was a, a, a deep water blue, I think it's called. Yeah. And uh, a little white pinstripe on the side that looked like it was mm-hmm. added on by a dealer or something. It, just, it looked slow. Right. <laughs> it did not look like it a fast car. It did look car. slow. I, I was thinking to myself, this car looks... Looks like a sleeper, but I mean, it's really hard to call a Camaro a sleeper. Yeah, but but I agree with you. It looks like it looks very pedestrian. Yeah, it, it looked, looked like really a, slow. A Camaro you could beat. Yeah, it had the rally wheels on it, and it looked just kind of plain Jane almost. Yeah, and it had a, a stinger hood on it, which was cool. And um, mm-hmm. that car was uh, very recently restored by um, Gary Riley's crew at Level One restorations in colorado when it was unveiled at the muscle car and corbett nationals uh-huh. in chicago just a crazy awesome car you know and that was a fun episode because the story is really neat um and our our camera crew if you watch that one we added a few new tricks to this latest go around of episodes that's the first car feature out of our latest season if you will mm-hmm. and uh there's a couple now um gimbal headed cameras that you can float around with that have three axis electronic heads huh? on them and and have a steady cam kind of effect and and um, okay. it looked really good i was like wow you guys did a heck of a job uh-huh. so hopefully i didn't ruin it with my nonsense but the uh <laughs> it's a good episode it was cool no more than usual kevin yeah thank you thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> but that was episode 199 so yes, uh, we've got yes, a couple tricks up our sleeve for number 200 so that'll be fun right on all right, cool. And look uh, forward to it. Yeah, and and to pimp, you know, our own stuff a little bit more. The uh, 66.7 liter Galaxy is hitting the newsstands now on the cover of Hemmings Muscle Machines magazine, which is right uh, on. Yeah, super insane. Uh, we're very honored to have that happen. The guys at Hemmings really like the car, and uh, our crew did a just a bang up job on restoring that thing. Mm-hmm. So if you've listened this far and you don't get Muscle Machines in the mailbox, go out and pick one up because there's a lot of other great stuff in that issue. But we got the cover slot, and that was actually uh, that was my photograph on the cover. Right on. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Ben, our uh, our video producer slash camera editor guy, also assisted on that one uh, with the lighting. But um, mm-hmm. it was a team effort all the way around, but a very cool, cool thing. So that, that should right. have been first in this episode, but I saved it for last. Right. That's all right. You got to, you know, you got to give them something good at the end. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give them some reason to listen. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I guess uh, maybe we, we cap off with our trivia question action. Yeah, sure, certainly. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. All right. I asked you, the company. What, what was the company that developed the engine for the C4 ZR1 Corvette? The 4-cam, 32-valve, really cool engine. And Kevin guessed that it was Lotus. And as always... Kevin's right. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to isolate that sound bite. 
That might be a new ringtone right there. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> hey, Kelly, listen to this. Yeah. As always, Kevin's right. Yeah. Wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. That was, uh, that was luck, because I haven't thought about those cars in quite a while. You happen to... I was kind of banking on that, but uh, tickled like the my right... bank account uh, was overdrawn again. <laughs> you tickled the right brain cell to make that Yeah, answer. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, okay, well, good. Uh, and on your end, the question was, what was the most expensive muscle, first-generation muscle car engine option? And uh, your guess was the 65 Malibu Z16 SS396 car. Yes. Which is a great guess, because that 396 was a, a kind of an expensive deal. Interestingly... Technically, that car had no options. Really, you could only so get that was it. its own model. You could only get it with everything. Oh wow! So the Malibu, the '65 Malibu SS 396 came with the 396 engine. It came with the four-speaker multiplex stereo. It came with the gauges and the tack on the dash. It came with the big disc or big drum brake rear end and a 12 bolt in the back, which the rest of them didn't come with. It was like a, an Impala oh, rear end. And it was all or nothing. You really couldn't get... Your choices were the colors. Hmm. Black, okay. red, or yellow. But, unfortunately, that is not the correct answer. <laughs> I was going to say, so what are you telling me with all that, Kev, is that, no, you're not right, Mike. <laughs> well, no, not, not technically. But So the, the correct answer we actually touched on, it was the 69ZL1-427. Oh, God dang it. Yes. Like how we weaved that back into the story? Yeah, you weaved it right in there, didn't you? Heck of a weave job. Fella. It's like a bad hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And that engine, if you went and bought a 69 Camaro and you wanted the aluminum 427, got to remember that they used to, the, the saying on the street was that, you know, 68 and 9 Camaros were basically a dollar a pound if you bought the car. So, oh, wow. so those were like 36, 3,700 pound cars, and you could buy one for 36, you know, 3,500 dollars. Mm-hmm. The ZL1 engine added 4,100 bucks to the car. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Yowza! Yeah, and people talk about the Hemi cars being expensive because I think that yeah. added 875 or something, but this was 4,100 bucks. Oh my lord! Yeah, and I, I didn't, I didn't have time to do the math, but I think. Today, we might see an equivalent. Dodge just released the Demon. Um, That Demon might easily be double what a regular Challenger is, right? I'm hearing that. I'm uh, hearing that. uh, But that's a whole car, not just the engine alone. Right. You know, that added the the price. Yeah, I'm hearing, I'm seeing numbers of like about 125,000. Oh, yeah, easily. For that Demon. And again, a lot of that's premium. You know, dealer yeah. premium and stuff. If you can get on the list and get one, oh, they're, yeah. they're boosting them up and quote market adjustment. Correct for the, for the dealer market adjustment, regional marketing adjustments. Yeah, right, so, right, so, right. So. The uh, stick it in your wazoo fee. I think right, they, right. You will pay us extra if you want this car. Yes, yes. Fee. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, um, I'll, I'll think of another one for next time. Yeah. Yeah, you do that. Yeah. <laughs> you can, I'll use the time machine to find the answer to whatever you yeah, ask. Exactly. I know you will. Yeah. So, God dang it. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess that's going to about cover all of our nonsense for today. Uh, but it was a good episode. Thanks for hanging out again. And uh, we appreciate everybody uh, listening. We've expanded our distribution a little bit. Now we're also not only available on iTunes and uh, TuneIn Radio, but also on the Google Play app, which is fun. Uh, you can subscribe anywhere there or on V8Radio.com. If you go to V8Radio.com, you will find additional stuff like this list of tools we're going to post and some photographs and things like that. I'll put up the picture of my dad on the old motorcycle. Why not? Uh, and a few, a few extra bonus things there. Uh, and until right. next time, uh, keep the shiny side up, and thanks for listening to V8 Radio. As always, Kevin's right. <laughs> <laughs>